everyone, we're back with But Make It Hallmark. I'm here, your host Chingai, with Patty. Hi, Patty. Hi, Chingai. How are you? I'm I'm all right. How How are you? <laughs> well, we just subjected ourselves to six uh, Hallmark movies, which normally is a good thing. But I don't know this week, girl. I don't know. We've been wanting to do a Jane Austen-themed episode since the conception of this podcast. I mean, Patty and I are both Jane Austen files, and Hallmark loves to pretend <laughs> to pretend to put out uh, Austen-themed movies. And so it only made sense that, um, yeah, we finally get on this because 2021 had a, had a new one. To add to the mix, so yeah, we just we we did a survey. We we picked six movies. We can we can count them as five, and yeah, that's what we're gonna talk about today. Are you ready, Patty? <laughs> My body is ready after what we've been through. Let's do this. Let's do this. So we're gonna start with a twofer. <laughs> we're doing unleashing and marrying Mister Darcy, starring Cindy Busby and. Ryan Pavey. In this modern-day spin on Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth Scott is fishing for direction in her life and gets the opportunity to professionally show her cavalier King Charles Spaniel in a fancy New York dog show. Dog show judge Donovan Darcy comes across as aristocratic and rude and a chain of misunderstandings unfold during the competition, complicating their mutual attraction. And some six months after they first crossed verbal swords, Elizabeth Scott and Donovan Darcy are blissfully in love and newly engaged. With Donovan in agreement, she looks forward to planning a small autumn wedding. After Donovan's previously scornful Aunt Violet makes a heartfelt apology for her past behavior, Elizabeth is glad to include her in the planning process. Reminded yet again of their tremendous differences in background and temperament, Elizabeth can't help but ask herself, should she marry Mr. Darcy? Mr. Darcy? He's got too much pride. My good opinion, once lost, is lost forever. She might be a little prejudiced. I have never met a more maddening human being. A classic love story with a modern twist. Why is he looking at Elizabeth? I'll look forward to seeing that fabulous dress of yours tonight. You take my breath away. Said yes. Yeah! Congratulations! Wow, I want those napkins, that stemware, and those chairs. Well done. Well, that was a mouthful. We got the entire plot out of the way so that we can just discuss like the the important stuff, I guess. Uh, tropes wise, I, I mean, I think this is one of the movies, one of the series of movies that stayed pretty true to Austen. The thing is, it's hard to mess up Jane Austen because, you know, Jane Austen's books are classics for a reason. Somehow, Unleashing and Marrying Mr. Darcy was able to, like, bungle it up, even if they they stayed pretty true to the, to the Darcy being arrogant, Lizzie being like a go-getter. They, they stuck to the tropes. They even had the bad people, the Caroline Bingley and the, the aunt over there. But it, it's just a no for me. The, the first time I learned about these movies, like I was super excited. I was like Googling, okay, what, what Hallmark movie am I going to watch? And I, and I saw Mr. Darcy and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch. And then I saw that there was a dog. 
And if you know me, I don't, I don't like movies with dogs. And so, like, I just saw the King Charles Spaniels, like, okay, no, no, not, not gonna watch it. And so I finally, I finally dove in because of this podcast. And I'm sorry to say that I'm sorry that I did. I dove in. <sighs> I'm so sorry, Chingai, for subjecting you to this experience. I remember watching it. And I was like, ooh, Mr. Darcy, exciting. And even back then, it was a no for me. And so having rewatched it now and being it, having it be so true to the book, it's so sad. I mean, relative to the rest of the movies, what I'm saying. It's so sad how they messed that up. The, the, the high points for me was that Hallmark embraced the villain Hallmark never embraces a villain. Even if Aunt Violet says sorry in the end, the fact that they had a really mean Caroline Bingley and like a really bitch aunt, that part I give them kudos for. But it's such a waste because Ryan Pavey is like as Darcy as one could get. I mean, how can you remember, how can you forget A Timeless Christmas where he was Mr. Darcy there, man out of time. And like we see him shirtless and like, trunks and i'm just like what's happening and, and like cindy busby is adorable and there was just too much going on with her losing her job and the suing and the dog show and the yeah anyway high point nice wedding gown cool high point to me ryan pavey in another uh, well in the original cornflower blue sweater yeah and then tennis whites yeah combined these movies are like what three hours those are the two highlights for me out of the three hours (laughs) the sweater and the tennis whites they look good together i mean they're like todd and elizabeth from sweet valley high they they look perfect together but i think it's the the script was really juvenile for me it was like someone out out of high school could have written something better than this so I, I think if they if they had done it a little smarter, then maybe this mo- this series had a chance. And I, I'm just also wondering like who pitches a sequel to these movies because we, we get these Hallmark series and they're never good. There, there's never been a sequel that that we asked for. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, this is a no for me. Also, unfortunately, a no from me. Sorry. Sorry to Cindy and sorry to Ryan. Moving on to another movie, our second movie in the uh, Pride and Prejudice universe because they can't get enough of it. We have Christmas at Pemberley Manor starring none other than Jessica Lowndes and Michael Rady. As Christmas approaches, Elizabeth Bennett, a New York event planner, is sent to a quaint small town to organize their holiday festival. When she arrives, she finds William Darcy, a high-profile billionaire lacking in holiday spirit. In the process of selling the charming estate she hoped to see to use as a venue, determined to make her event a success, Elizabeth persuades the reluctant Darcy to let her hold the festival on the historical estate once known for its holiday cheer. When they wind up working together to arrange the festivities, the unlikely pair begins falling for each other. But when complications arise and the festival is unexpectedly shut down, the couple parts ways and Darcy moves forward with his plans to sell the estate. On the night before Christmas, a wistful Elizabeth hopes for a Christmas miracle to revive the festival, save the estate, and rekindle her holiday romance. Welcome to Pemberley Manor. It's so beautiful. Imagine it all done up for the Christmas festival. The Christmas celebration begins in one perfect place. You have enough lights to make Pemberley Manor visible from outer space. You can never have enough Christmas lights. Very well done. This movie could not be 
any further away from the Pride and Prejudice universe, except for the fact that you get the trope of go-getter girl and grumpy guy with the names of Elizabeth and Fitzwilliam, Darcy, okay, cool, type A girl, Darcy, whatever. Then we have the Caroline character, which was actually, what a waste of an actress. Elaine uh-huh. is amazing, parent-trapped mom. And, like, I can't believe, stepmom, rather, and I can't believe they wasted her. Like, wow. She, also, Aunt Violet. That's, like, Frances. I forget her last name but like these villains are great and i feel like they're wasting them the jane like we get all the the event planning i mean it is a holiday movie we get the you know holiday events we get the grumpy guy we get the old man who's going to inspire him to reconnect to his roots oh god (sighs) these tropes have been used and reused in the hallmark universe and this was not a good use of them also I now view this with renewed eyes because now I love Michael Rady. So it was with warmth in my heart that I came into this. And he was such a bright spot because when I first watched this, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? But now it's like, oh, hi, Michael Rady. I'm still not in love with Jessica Lowne. So together, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was drunk when I wrote this, but my notes here say, (laughs) Michael Rady can make love to an eggplant. (laughs) What? I don't know why I wrote that. But I thought that Jessica Lowndes was better than Mix Up in the Mediterranean here. Less severe, less annoying. Mm -hmm. So just what a waste of Pride and Prejudice characters. And thank you for my renewed love for Michael Rady because I enjoyed it a little more now. Uh, My notes are quite different from yours. Michael Rady's stoic flirting is what I wrote down. Because he he does that pretty well here. They're, They're attractive together, but... She really was annoying, I'm sorry to say. I mean, she looked better here than in Mix Up in the Mediterranean, but she was so damn annoying as a character. Um, I liked him <laughs> putting his hands in his pockets when they were decorating the tree. I think that's like a callback to classic Pride and Prejudice, you know, with the, the Kira Knightley one where Darcy is like st- stretching his fingers because like, he just touched her. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I'm not in love with about this movie, must they always put some kind of corporate espionage privacy issue <laughs> thing? Must they? I mean, I get it. Um, Darcy and Pride and Prejudice didn't want people to know that he was the one who orchestrated the whole Lydia Bennett wedding. So, okay. Like, he didn't want it known that he was, like, fixing stuff. But, I mean, who cares? Really, who cares? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think that's my overall feeling for this movie, despite Michael Radiates. Who cares? Again, what a waste of the Pride and Prejudice universe. Like, the whole Jane Lucas and Travis, like, I definitely, my notes here, I was definitely drunk because my notes are all over the place. But <laughs> I needed the alcohol to get through it. And that's kind of sad. So, overall, obviously better than Unleashing and Marrying Mr. Darcy, but still far away from potential. This is pride and fucking prejudice. How can you fuck that up? Chingai, do we have one more chance to redeem this movie and, the, and how okay. Hallmark does it? As we move farther and further away from Jane Austen's classic, we move into pride and prejudice and mistletoe. So we not only get Austen, we get Austen at Christmas. Okay, pride, prejudice, and mistletoe stars Lacey Chabert and Brendan Penny. 
Darcy has always worked hard to prove herself and be successful on her own terms, even choosing to start her own company rather than work with her father. Returning to her hometown for Christmas, Darcy reconnects with an old rival, restaurant owner Luke, and they are forced to plan a charity event together. As Darcy spends time with her family and Luke, she starts to realize what matters most in life and sets out to mend her relationship with her father and possibly fall in love. Based on the book of the same title by Melissa de la Cruz, another Filipino. The great and charmed Darcy Fitzwilliam. We should all be so lucky. Maybe it's not so much luck, maybe it's, you know, hard work. A little luck. Jolly it up this Christmas. I definitely won. You're the pro and I'm the con. I don't know if you want to call yourself a con. You want some help now? It's tradition. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the only thing Pride, that's Pride and Prejudice about this is that they use the names. Um, I think, yeah. And, and okay, cool. Uh, you're subverting by calling her the Darcy. So she's Darcy Fitzwilliam. And he's Luke, which I guess is the counterpart to Lizzie. I don't know. The first time I watched this, I really, like, I big time like Brendan Penny. I think, like, Chesapeake Shores had just finished and I was just looking for another way to see him on screen. So I, like, really like this and I posted it on Instagram and everyone was like, ooh, we're gonna watch too. And then when they watched, they were all disappointed and I was, like, the only one who was, like, happy about <laughs> it. And I understand where they're coming from now that I've given it a rewatch because it was okay. I mean... Okay, Lacey Chabert and Brendan Penny, they're like, they're pretty high up on the Hallmark Channel echelon, but they just give me brother-sister vibes. Like, the whole rivalry thing was more like competitive brother-sister. So, yeah, the chemistry wasn't there for me. Maybe if it were cast differently, I don't know. But, yeah, he, he was a caterer, which I like. I mean, guys cooking. Yeah, they, they were planning another party i just it's just that hallmark has done this so much better i think what this week has taught us is that christmas 2020 just really hit the ball out of the park i mean the movies prior to 2020 were just shit yeah, yeah Chingai, that's what they were. it's funny how your experience was you loved it before then you hated it now because before i hated this movie before because i was so disappointed in the adaptation i think i read the book i think i read the book it wasn't also great but like come on hallmark you're already i like the gender flip i really did like the gender flip but again just like christmas at pemberley manor you're just using the names and putting in some the mistletoe they could have used it so much more you're right about the banter between them it felt very for me it was like a platonic ideal what changed for me this time around is I do not loathe Lacey Chabert anymore. In fact, I was rooting for her. The first time I watched this, I was just like, God, it's her again. But what a difference <laughs> Christmas 2020's Christmas Waltz can do. We were so blessed and so lucky with the amount of hits. Yes, there were a lot of misses out of the 40 movies, but that was the first year in like the years of watching Christmas 2020, wherein it actually had multiple amazing movies. And... I wish they had done better justice to this because, again, Pride and Prejudice, Mistletoe, Lacey and Brendan, top of their game. I hate to keep bringing up Christmas 2020, but like we had such great ensemble hits last season. Yeah. And when I watch these movies, it just like exacerbates how awful the side characters are. <laughs> like you said, um, like they're using all the... 
there are all these great characters that are supposedly layered and all of that, but then they're just they're, the acting was just subpar, even for Hallmark. <laughs> Not good. You know what it reminded me of their chemistry. You know how they had like this banter and whatever. It reminded me of Robert Buckley and his gay brothers' banter in Christmas Yeah, yeah, House. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's not quite good when it's brotherly to a gay brother and like a, yeah. a straight brother, but again, siblings. So, yeah. Um, and they had more chemistry. I felt like Robert Buckley and um, Jonathan Bennett had more chemistry than this. So, <laughs> again, better than Mr. Darcy. So, if we were to like, I guess, rank the Pride and Prejudices one, I guess this would be better than that. But yeah, guys, don't hold your breath. For the Pride and Prejudice adaptations, because it's a no. We still we still have a couple of Jane Austen hits that are not Pride and Prejudice, so so maybe those mo- those movies slash books will save us from this <laughs> catastrophe. <laughs> and with that, we'll we'll see you guys after the break to discuss those two movies. See you later. And we're back. Welcome back to But Make It Hallmark. We have been recapping. The uh, Jane Austen adjacent movies. I wouldn't call it inspired even because they aren't quite inspired. And we've just finished the first three movies uh, all revolving around Pride and Prejudice. But we move on to the next big Jane Austen movie. And again, it's just, oh, here we go. Sense and Sensibility and Snowmen starring none other than Aaron Krako, Luke McFarlane, Kimberly Susted. Uh, the film centers on Christmas enthusiast party planners Ella and her sister Marianne, who clash with their client Edward, who is a not so jolly toy company CEO. Who's that? Apparently, the CEO of Ferris Wheel Toys. It's that most joyous time of the year. Hi. When love can happen to anyone. That feeling that everything is just. Here's my biggest problem with this movie. Okay, sure. Use the names. Don't use the plot. Don't fucking mix up the characters. Ella's character and Marian's character have switched. In the books, Eleanor is the more serious one, the older sister, the one looking out for them. Marian is the more feelings one, the one that's, you know, outgoing and emotional. And here they fucking switched it just because they wanted to make Ella the lead. Why couldn't they make Marian the lead? Marian is also, I mean, in terms of character-wise, just name Aaron Krako Marian. It doesn't matter. And you know what's even worse is that Edward Ferrars, played by Luke McFarlane, is portrayed as grumpy. You know who wasn't grumpy? Edward Ferrars. Instead, <laughs> Colonel Brandon, played by the lovely Alan Rickman in the yes, uh, angly version of this, glorious, rest in peace, but like they just fucked it all up. Can't, I can't. Do not this, do not bastardize the movie like this. What is so difficult with adapting Jane Austen novel when it's super ripe for the picking and already a perfect love story? Hallmark is so arrogant with their twists to think that they can do it better. Yeah, you can modernize. Yeah, you can gender switch. But also switch personalities. What is the fucking point? As I was watching this, the first time I watched it, again, super disappointed because I was like, what is going on? This is not Sense and Sensibility. Nothing, nothing about it. And then now as I rewatched it because of my love for Kimberly Sustad and she's just so amazing, I was super focused on the Marianne character and her budding love story. 
um, because they just gave me a lot more chemistry and a lot more feels. So secondary characters forever, secondary, quote-unquote. Um, and though I do love Luke McFarlane and I do love Aaron Krako, this was not their best showing. And such a shame, given that Sensibility is such a great story. This was a waste. What a fucking waste. I'm sad. I don't know. Sorry, Chigai. I'm just angry. You know where else they shit the bed? With the, the Laurents with their French accents. <laughs> oh my god, what was that? Speaking what of secondary that? characters, <laughs> the, the French people visiting the toy company office, they, that, that was just, that was, uh, <laughs> that was bad. Kel Nightmare. And, uh, huh, <laughs> what can I say? I hated how they made Ella be the quirky one. Quirky in all caps. Aaron Krako as the quirky one was just unwatchable. No. I, no. She ha- she does have a tendency to get like annoying with her characters, like annoying goody two-shoes. Oh my god, I didn't know how much more annoying she would be when she was like trying really hard to be the quirky Zoe Deschanel one. <laughs> I could not. So this only increased my love for Kimberly Sustad. And I'm gonna bring it up again. We saw him in Christmas 2020. Jason McKinnon plays plays the secondary (laughs) character match of Marianne. This movie should have been about them. They should have just like taken out Aaron Krako and Luke McFarlane. As as much as we love them, they were just not necessary here. As sisters, okay, as sisters. All right, I I will give it to Kimberly and Aaron. But Sense and Sensibility isn't just about sisters. It's like a love story too. And they just messed everything up. You, you can't watch this and just give them a pass for switching everything up. And like, did they even read Sense and Sensibility? No, no, they did not. Mm-hmm. You know what else I didn't do? I didn't actually stay awake for the movie. I napped. <laughs> <laughs> but don't blame me. It's because I actually really watched it the first time around. I hated it so much. Not hated. I was just disappointed. And the second time around, I thought my feelings would have changed. They have not. So, yeah. I'm sorry. You're sorry. We're all sorry for wasting everyone's time. It was just... Okay. To be fair, I enjoyed it slightly more than the Pride and Prejudice travesties. But not by a lot. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Because, okay, if you're ever gonna... we know, I know that we... We didn't say a lot about the Pride and Prejudice movies, but if you are going to go ahead and waste your time watching these movies, you've got to start where we started with the Mr. Darcy movies because like those two movies are going to make Sense, Sensibility, and Snowman look <laughs> like an Oscar look like, winner. Look like a Christmas 2020 movie, honestly. Uh-huh. The, the, the chasm between those two is a fucking like, Grand Canyon worth of a hole. So, yeah. <laughs> What a week, guys! <laughs> Let, let's move on. I, I think we're ready to move on to another Jane Austen classic. Emma, one of the most beloved, most adapted ones. So we have the Emma counterpart in playing Cupid, which came out this year, starring Laura Vandervoort and Nicholas Gonzalez. A modern-day Emma finds David Martinez being secretly set up with his daughter's teacher, 
when the young girl begins a matchmaking business for a school project. For the next five weeks, you will each start your own business. I'm Cubic Clara, and I'm a matchmaker. That kid is good. What if I went bigger? Clara's dad is going to be a mentor for our class. What does a 13-year-old even know about love? Dad, I know when people write for each other. You two just need a little help. So I remember Inspired when this came out, I didn't watch it right away. In fact, I was like not watching, like after, this was like after I think Mix Up in the Mediterranean and I just kind of like, I just stopped with Mix Up in the Mediterranean. I stopped watching movies in the Hallmark Channel and then Patty texted me and she said, girl, playing Cupid, you've got to watch it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn my friendly TV back on and, and look at what's up. And wow. Wow, I, I just want to, this one makes me want to cry because like we've had like such fucking awful movies and I never swear, but I have to this time. This was amazing because this is like current. It's fresh. We get diversity. We get a non-annoying young girl. We get, we get something that's based off Emma, but not a carbon copy. You, you guys, just because you're doing an Austin adaptation doesn't mean you have to use all the names and you have to like copy it you know, line per line and then screw it up. You can just take the essence, which is what playing Cupid does, and play around with it and make it current and make it relevant to today. And this, that's what this movie does we love diversity in the movie so they're bringing the mexican influence here our pta super strict dad guy runs cantina corazon <laughs> i just wanted to order mexican food throughout the movie i mean give me we we had it with with janelle Parrish's movie right we just give us a right diverse cast and a diverse cast with yummy food and yeah you're you're gonna sell this movie. The the kid, Clara, and her business model project was it was fun. It was interesting to watch. It wasn't like like I wanted to dismiss her just because she's a kid, you know? She was an essential part of the story and the chemistry between the middle school teacher and the dad was there. It was just it, everything came together. This is how you adapt Austin. You don't have to make Emma the lead. She's the kid. And that's super risky. We hate kids' storylines. But they made it work. Matchmaking? Check. Overprotective dad? Check. Supportive female presence? Check. You get the elements, like Chingai mentioned, the essence of Emma without shoving it down our throats. Nobody had to be named like Emma. Or nobody had to be named like Mr. Knightley. Ah. Exactly, because how can you do Mr. Knighty in like modern day, right? So I felt like it was this was masterfully cast because the underutilized Nicholas Gonzalez is yet another hot dad we want to see more of in the likes of Eon Bailey. These guys need to be cast in more movies. We love the dad. We're now loving these dad movies because, oh my God, the teacher, also subtle, not annoying, still alpha, asserting herself. The cooking scenes? Holy shit! I also ordered Mexican. Just like, <laughs> the dancing? The, we're gonna be in this kitchen all night. Kiss! Boom! Ain't no mountain high enough. Yes! They did it. Ain't no valley low enough. And then, of course, we get this the ex-wife, the mom, coming in on mm -hmm. them. And I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, this is all gonna turn to shit. 
It didn't. She played a good enough quote-unquote villain role without being annoying because like, yeah, she is protective of her daughter and who's his new presence in the life. But it wasn't like, what is this? What is this for? So like, wow, wow. I, 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 was, I was really, really pleased and really pleasantly surprised by this movie. And wow, it saved the fucking day. You know what I like also about Nicholas Gonzalez? He, he, okay, so we get a character who's like super square, right? He's very strict. He's like really protective of his daughter. But then it's so layered because you, you get someone who's square, but then he's like playful in the kitchen. And so you can kind of tell that there's something, un- something underneath all of those layers of being straight, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so it, it and, and even her teacher, she wasn't, because, like, we get a teacher with Cindy Busby in Unleashing Mr. Darcy, right? And it's just, like, irritating. Like, like goody two-shoes, Elizabeth from, uh, Elizabeth from Sweet Valley High kind of irritating. And that's not what they did here. And I think that this is a testament to how Hallmark has grown and changed and evolved over the years. So good job for changing with the times and just giving us what we deserve, giving us better. This is doing better. And like we mentioned, the gap between Cindy Busby's character and Laura Vanderwood's character here is just a fucking universe. And we're so happy this came along because it saved the day and it definitely just gave us hope. Sure, do another fucking Pride and Prejudice. Do another Sense and Sensibility. Throw in some persuasion. And now you can do it in the style of playing Cupid without having to shove the fake elements down our throats for the sake of it felt the others felt performative this felt genuine and done right so good job hallmark i know that obviously the slate we were given was quite bad but i think even just taking this movie on its own makes it stand out and and i want to congratulate it on its merits more of these char- more of these actors they were especially nicolas gonzalez my goodness give me mm-hmm. everything with him i would love to see it and when we come back, we're going to do a survey <laughs> for all these movies that could use a lot of improvement. And we're back. Welcome back to But Make It Hallmark. This time around, we're doing things a little differently. There is no f- Mary kill here, and that's only because we're killing everyone and barely have anyone left to fuck or marry. So instead, we thought we'd do something a little differently, given how Chingai and I are huge Austin files and also quite big Hallmark fans. We wouldn't be doing this fucking podcast if we were, you know, had some sort of attachment and fondness for it. So we thought, you know what? I think we can do their jobs a little better. Or this is us helping out Hallmark and telling them this is how you should cast your new Jane Austen adaptations. We've chosen two movies. And Chingai, do you want to kick it off with your recast remake of Sense and Sensibility? This is more of a pitch and not exactly a full recast because like i i'm just i was overwhelmed by the stars in the hallmark cinematic universe that i couldn't pick okay so my my picks for sense and sensibility and snowman because i like kimberly i think we should keep her but i have like an option like a just in case so another another Obvious, for me, I think they should switch it up and make Kimberly the Eleanor because that's the proper... She's the proper serious one, right? She's the one looking out for the sensual sister. So make 
Kimberly the Eleanor, but also an option would be Italia Ritchie, the older as the older sister. We have that picture Italia or Kimberly in your minds, and do I go straight to her love interest? Okay, I will. <laughs> All right. So so Edward Ferris is is paired up with the serious sister and Edward Ferris is like a nice guy uh, very kind of soft-spoken and shy just because it's Kimberly and I know this may might be a cop-out but I mean how can we not have Paul Campbell <laughs> right if, if we're gonna cast if we're gonna cast Kimberly as the Eleanor then I mean might as well get Paul Campbell as the Edward I love him yeah Another option for me, but he's a little bit younger, so I I don't know like in terms of age if this would work out. Uh, Scott Michael Foster is my pick for the Edward Ferrers. I think like my age, my age for Eleanor is kind of skewed because Emma Thompson played her, and she was like way older than than um, Eleanor in the books, but. Anyway, there you have it. Paul Gamble, Scott Michael Foster, nice guy, very approachable type. Okay, now we get Marian. And I have like a lot of options for this one. So uh, I'm not bringing back Erin Krako, sorry. My first pick for the Marian, as like the younger sister, would be Andrea Brooks. Just because she's like, she's very bubbly and effervescent, I think. Another pick would be Mallory Jansen who we saw from last christmas she's i think she, she i think she she has a lot to offer now i think my my most interesting uh casting decision came for colonel brandon here cuz uh, colonel brandon's a lot older than marian obviously i'm sticking to the actual sense and sensibility and not <laughs> not the fake one that we got so i needed to to comb through the archives and look for like older man types to cast as Colonel Brandon and Victor Webster. <laughs> so yeah, Victor Webster. I'm not so sure about Victor Webster with Andrea Brooks. That that it, I don't think it's a match. But Victor Webster, Mallory Jansen might be a might be a good uh, pair. That's why I brought Mallory in because I think she and Victor would do well. My other option, and this guy would be the one to pair with Andrea Brooks, would be James Denton from Good Witch. <gasps> oh my yeah. god. So what we get a... an older man. I love it. What a cast. Um, I love... I got carried away with this, so I added one more. <laughs> <laughs> I added a Willoughby as the, as the villain here. <laughs> and I kind of laughed at my... Uh, at my picks so i chose nile meter <laughs> i am a changed person uh nile meter yeah for willoughby <laughs> we love him yeah let's be real we, we love now him. do yeah all right all right <laughs> i love it okay my recast for pride and prejudice so first of all we're going to follow the story of curtis Sittenfield's adaptation of pride and prejudice she wrote a book called eligible and Eligible is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice in the modern-day world where Lizzie and Jane come back home um, to take care of their dad, I think, or something like that, who mm-hmm. went through like some heart attack or some health scare. And basically, there's a reality show being um, shot where Bingley is the lead in the reality show, and then they're obviously going to like kind of get Jane in that. And Bingley is a doctor, and he has a friend who is Darcy. Okay, so that's the basic plot premise. We're making it easy for you, Hallmark. Just adapt Kirsten, Curtis Sinfeld. So I also have two casts. So my two casts are based on one. I did like a brunette 
I know that J- Lizzie and Jane are sisters, and in the movie, at least, at Kira Knightley, one is blonde and one is brunette, mm-hmm. but that always kind of threw me off. So I did an all-blonde cast of sisters. and not I didn't do all the sisters, okay? And then I did a brunette cast. Okay, so... I'm so for excited. For my brunette cast... <laughs> for my brunette cast, uh, Elizabeth Bennet is played by Bethany Joy Lenz, oh. who I feel just really embodies the Lizzie Bennet spirit. I would then pair her with none other than Darcy as Will Kemp because their royal oh matchmaker um, chemistry was really good for me and I felt that it would be a really a good hit. So, oh my God, and they'd coming, have a dance scene. And they would have a dance, exactly. How perfect. And I think Bethany Joy Lenz can pull it off too. Um, and then as Jane, the sister of Lizzie and like the more reserved one, I also cast Mallory Jansen because oh I love her so much. Um, and I thought that I, I tried to make it like an equal but not an equal. And like, because the, the way I, I viewed Mallory Jansen and the way she acted in 12 Days of Christmas was very like just cool and chill. Mm-hmm. The way I viewed Jane to be and kind of keeps her emotions inside. I wanted some diversity. And so, as a friend to Darcy and given doctor, why not cast Marco Grazzini? Oh my god! Why not? Oh my god! I'm I'm obsessed with him. So, I felt like that would be a good, like, slightly diverse brunette cast. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's my brunette cast. My blonde cast has Lizzie Bennet played by Amanda Schull, who I also feel (laughs) brings that Lizzie Bennet go-to spirit, maybe a bit more... um, good goody two shoes type but like i think she could do it well and i would pair her with a darcy played by either victor webster (laughs) or i also thought because of his accent and all that and his kind of arrogance because victor webster has an arrogance to him that i really like and like just like sheer size and i love amanda shull and i think that they would do good together but i also thought i know you weren't a fan of the movie but I like Neil Bledsoe. Oh my god! Daddy! He was in my he was in my list too. I just didn't mention him. <laughs> because I'm thinking of all the accents. Yeah, yeah. And I felt yeah. like he could also pull that off. And he had a, he has an arrogance and like a flirtation to him too. So those were my two um, Darcy's for Amanda Shell. And then for Jane, I wanted to cast Caitlin Doubleday, Love in Iceland Girl. Um, mm-hmm. because I felt like she could also be like a cool blonde sister to Amanda Shell. Um, and also just like a bit like classier and chill. Um, and her Bingley would be Grayson Holt from the movie yes. Red Racial A Cook. Yeah. Because I felt like also like side character, but not super side, you know what I mean? Like they can stand on their own and have good chemistry, but also not take away from the leads. So yeah. So those are my casting, my blonde and brunette casting for Pride and Prejudice. I am Hallmark so excited for this, yeah. <laughs> this is the happiest part of my week. <laughs> We've been through a lot. It's, it's still Mercury in retrograde, so we want to thank everyone for listening and uh, getting through to the end. I hope there are no technical difficulties in your end, and I hope everybody gets through this retrograde together. If you aren't following us yet on our socials, please do. We're at But Make It Hallmark on instagram and at make it hallmark on twitter we'd love to hear from you guys and tell us what you think tell us how you want to recast these things because clearly hallmark has a lot to do with the jane austen world thanks Shingai. thanks Patty. and uh, we'll see you guys next time on but make it hallmark bye